0: the right on point podcast with wayne rhodi the right on point podcast is a candid discussion of your legal rights civil liberty ramifications legalities of possible mandates of COVID vaccines and actions by our federal government and state governments plus exploring the untouchable topics within the national vaccine injury compensation program the prep act and the countermeasures injury compensation program
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for being here today on the Right On Point podcast. Appreciate you, everybody, attending. We're going to have an interesting conversation today, <clears throat> excuse me, about someone who has been um, injured from the COVID vaccine but decided to do something about it to help better herself and but, and also help many, many others. Uh, before we dive into it, though, I want to mention a very large upcoming event here in the United States, in Minnesota, October 1st of this year, the fourth annual Global Health Freedom Summit in Alexandria, Minnesota, headlined by Dale Bigtree, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Sherry Tenbetty, Dr. Larry Pulveski, Dr. Scott Jensen, who's running for governor for the state of Minnesota, Dr. Bob Zajac, and many others. Also at the event, Dr. Peter McCullough um, and Dr. Scott Jensen will be having book signings of their uh, latest uh, books, the, the Courage to Face COVID-19 by Dr. McCullough and John Leak, and Dr. Scott Jensen's book, We've Been Played. For tickets, wellnessmyway.org. Enter ROP during checkout and receive discounted tickets. You can follow along on this, uh, this program uh, right on point online or check us out on Rumble and BitChute. YouTube has completely removed the entire library of videos that I've uh, uh, recorded. Um, just censorship is just so difficult here. You can follow along with me on Twitter at Wayne Roadie. Of course, the email to the program is inbox at rightonpoint.online. My substack for any of the writers that are people I want to, um, uh, interested in, in, the topics that I write about, it's the vaccine court.substack.com. Of course, the show's website is rightonpoint.online. Today, um, Someone I've been wanting to get on the program. I ran across her book a while back and, and it's quite interesting. It's different than a novel or a, a reference book. This one is really kind of, it tells you, puts you on a path if you're suffering from a COVID vaccine injury of recovery, dealing with diet, uh, proper foods to eat, but also you can measure your progress here. Caroline Pulver is from the United Kingdom um, outside of London, has written a wonderful book called COVID Vaccine Adverse Reaction Survival Guide. So welcome to the program, Caroline. How are you doing today?
0: I'm okay. Today's quite a good day, actually, fairly decent day. Have to take it one day at a time.
1: I understand that. Now, I got this copy of this book, um, and it was recommended to me, so I went and ordered it. And by the way how do you, how do most people get the book is it just on Amazon or is there you have a website for it
0: Yeah people can order it directly from me if they don't want to order through Amazon um they can also order it through the UK CV family website which is a UK support group for vaccine injured and that way it generates some money for the support group it does come through Amazon through the support group so if people object to buying from Amazon they can order it from my website carolinepover.com.
1: Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about your story. How did you, uh, my understanding is, is that you were injured from the AstraZeneca vaccine, correct?
0: Yeah. I had a single dose of AstraZeneca and I reacted to it nine hours afterwards. So it's a very oh. quick reaction.
1: Okay. And then from that, how did you move from there to the book?
0: Uh, well, I, uh, I couldn't find any information. When I came back from the hospital, I was diagnosed with an adverse reaction straight away. Uh, I'd never heard of this before um, and I didn't know it or I thought I didn't know anybody who had had any kind of reaction to any vaccines before. I was always described myself as vaccine ignorant um, before this. And I was... Not recovering in in the, the days and the weeks I- immediately afterwards, I thought I'd just bounce back. You know, it's one of these things and you'd bounce back from it. So I started looking for information. I couldn't find anybody else who had anything like this happen. I thought I was the only person in the world. And um gradually I started connecting it did take a long time started connecting with other people who had also had an adverse reaction to the COVID vaccine I was very public about it right from the beginning so people started telling me what things that were happening to them as well mm-hmm. and uh I was part of us I was an admin on a support group an international support group I was sharing a lot of information things that were helping me uh I I suppose quite early on decided I was going to take control of my own health and my own recovery. I wasn't very reliant on the medical system to help me at all. Uh, So I I did a lot of things, kind of developed my own recovery plan. and, um, And I was sharing as much as I could, all these different things I was learning. I was sharing it all on social media and particularly in a support group that I was an admin of. And Facebook shut down the support group so it was the the main way of sharing all of this information was not available so I had the idea to start putting it in a book I this is my seventh book actually I, I used to own a publishing company many years ago and I've um, I've produced lots of magazines and, and different publications mm-hmm. so um, I thought well I'll use those skills and draw upon my old publishing team to put together a book myself, because that way it wouldn't be censored. It wouldn't be shut down. And, um, and it, all that information would, would always be there for people who really needed mm-hmm. support. So if the other support groups got shut down, it would, at least that would always be there.
1: Well, it's interesting is, is that you got this book here, chapter one, you go right into it. Sleep.
0: Yeah, well, it's fundamentally it's, yeah the most important thing that we need if we're recovering from anything, whether it's a physical health condition or or you know something psychological going on. But sleep is your number one tool.
1: Well, <coughs> excuse me, there. Um, sleep has always been is a quest for everyone to get proper sleep. I've noticed there's a guess, and it just, I'm not, I've never had the COVID vaccine. I refuse to get it here in the States. And I still have difficulty with sleep, but everyone that I've noticed who's, ta- uh, I've heard, who's taken the vaccine and they said, I don't, I've never had a negative reaction, but they do have problems sleeping. And it's just, it's just, it's probably, I very large common thread amongst all who have taken the vaccine. I have yet to hear or talk to anyone who doesn't have a problem with sleeping um, who has taken the vaccine. But maybe that's just everybody's having trouble sleeping, even if you haven't taken the vaccine. I don't know. But sleeping and diet work together, correct? They okay. do, and. and You spend a lot of time in the book about diet. Tell us what you're wanting to, what works for you and what you suggest works for others.
0: Well, I I try to not, because we're all so different and um I don't there aren't enough people researching as it's difficult to say this is going to work for you so I, t- I try to stay away from that what I do is try to explain the things that a lot of people are talking about online that might work and try to make them very simple so for example a lot of people talk about an anti-inflammatory diet so I explain it in very simple terms, what exactly is an anti-inflammatory diet and give some examples of, I I put some recipes in there. Um, And the same thing with low histamine diet, uh, that's in there as well. There's an um, anticoagulant diet, endothelial repair diet. So there's there's a number of different diets in there and they might work for some people, but it's more about explaining exactly what these diets are that people are talking about so that you can try them. And it talks about, I explain how you approach trying a diet um, so you don't just suddenly change everything. You might want to change things slowly and then you might want to introduce, reintroduce things back into your diet. So how to do that. Um, it talks. There's a way of keeping track of your own recipes. There's a way of keeping track of how you might respond to certain foods. A lot of us who are vaccine injured find ourselves with some really quite odd reactions to food that we never had before and one of the ones that I often talk about is I I discovered that um eating apples made me drunk and really yeah yeah I laugh about it now but at the time it was quite it was quite upsetting and distressing um but I I and I'd never had that kind of any kind of strange reaction to food before and Definitely not to apples. I actually went on an apple fast not long before I had the vaccine. So clearly I was fine with vaccines before, but I just after having the vaccine, I'm um, um, clearly with, uh, fine with apples before, but after I had the vaccine if i ate an apple it made me drunk it made me feel like i've been drinking wine so um all of these strange reactions can make us quite anxious about food and anything that's making us anxious isn't helping us recover from anything so it's a lot of it is about trying to organize your thoughts feelings around food which suddenly has become a problem in your life whereas it wasn't before and a food related problems can be they sound like not a very big deal but actually they can be quite debilitating they affect so much of our lives you can't enjoy a meal which is going to make you feel positive that's good for your mental health because you're worrying about what might come afterwards and sometimes these aren't simple adverse reactions I have some food items which would bring on it, it basically it's like a stroke afterwards. So it's very stroke like symptoms. I never had those from food before. So they these are quite big reactions that people are having to food. So I wanted to try and simplify the different things you could try as well as make people feel a little bit more in control of their own recovery and a little bit more empowered. And actually, that's a the theme of the whole book. It's about trying to help us feel a bit more empowered and in control of our recovery. When there are very few health professionals who seem to be helping us do that.
1: Well, I tried one of your recipes. I was looking at them the breakfast omelet, Teresa. Oh,
0: did you like it?
1: Yes. I've always loved Teresa. And I just, one of my problems in my own diet is I know I take in too much gluten. Okay. And so, you know, whether it's at a breakfast, whether it's like a waffle or something like that. So I've eliminated that, but I looked at this recipe, the the Spanish omelet breakfast, as you call it. And I actually tried it and I felt it was, it was very delicious. And I went verbatim down here. I didn't change anything. I said, I'm going to try this. So it's quite interesting. And you know, everybody's, you know, there's a lot of food books out there, recipe books out there talking about just normal stuff. But this is quite interesting because what you do is you, you analyze the, what, how your body might react to every type of food, and then you build around it, and you, you try to stay away from anti-inflammatory, anti-histamine, anti-hist, you know, uh, things like this. But everybody's different, so you got to figure out where, who can tolerate what. And a lot of people don't understand, and, and, and I've been talking to them, that since they've been injured, their body reacts differently, okay, to their normal dietary uh, um, daily life, if you will. You know, they no- they normally wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, maybe a bagel or something else. Now they feel very sluggish. Is it just the injury, or is it possibly the injury and the food that they just ate? So instead of that, wake up, have fruit, um, and uh, I think there's
0: a few things that could be going on, mm-hmm. and um, partly it's you. The approach that I've had with food is I've been treating food as medicine. So right. there's, I, I'm, I don't, I, I don't tend to have. <laughs> I know it sounds strange given that I was vaccinated, but I tend not to take a lot of medication actually. And medication right. in in the US, you, it's a whole industry that's much much bigger than it is in the UK. So it is a little bit different here um but I I try to look at natural ways that I can heal from anything and I've always thought of food as medicine so you're eating to not just to for your nutrition and to maintain your body but you're when you're vaccine injured you can also be eating for the purpose of healing yourself which is a a slightly different way of eating it's much more nutrient dense it's much more focused on and on every single thing that you're eating I think is this going to actually be really doing me some good it's not just eating for fun it's this is eating for my health eating to recover and it's a, it is a different way of eating and i that's i don't think we do that much anymore in general we're not encouraged to do it we're not yeah we don't have a lot of tv advertisements to encourage any of us to be eating actually food for our health it's more about eating for fun
1: yeah, if you if you notice on TV, you're correct. Uh, the advertisements are—it's um, are, not really about healthful eating. You know, it's it's about you know uh, splurging. Here in the United States, it's all you know. We have tons of pizza advertisements, tons of you know uh, these restaurants that serve all-you-can-eat buffets and stuff like this. And yeah, I've had my share of those, probably more than I needed to at times over my life. But now it's about getting the proper nutrition. But you also start tying in other things here. And this is where I was a little bit uh, felt this, this is a little bit different here. Sleep, proper diet. Then you're talking about, you, you you don't use stress, you call it fear. What are you talking about there?
0: Um, Well, I I think the word stress in itself can be quite triggering for people, particularly if it's used in a medical situation and particularly if a doctor says it to you. Somehow, certain doctors have become very good at using the word stress in a very dismissive manner. Mm -hmm. And we often don't feel heard when they diagnose us with stress or they use the word stress when they talk about health and this is this is vaccine aside i think this is something that we've been dealing with for a long time and people who've had health issues in the past are probably quite sensitive to that they don't want to be labeled as as being stressed when actually they've got something physical going on so um so that's first of all i wanted to change that the way that we look at stress and the way that we use that word um and i also wanted to look at, wanted to reframe it a little bit because what actually is happening in our bodies when we feel what doctors call stress. And so I I wanted to help people look at that in a different way. And when we're feeling stressed, our body is responding as if we're being attacked. So we go into fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze mode, which there are certain things that actually physically happen in our body when we're doing that. And things happen in with our blood flow and with our heart rate and um, our muscles and digestion. There are things that happen then when we're feeling fight, flight or freeze, which is stress. Um, and what we're feeling when we are fi- fight, flight or freeze, we're afraid of something. So I wanted to reframe this whole idea about um. The whole approach we have to stress and call it fear instead, because fear is something you can actually teach yourself things to to deal with it. You can look at what am I afraid of. So if you're in a moment when your body is responding in a what stressful way, then you're actually looking at fear. If you have to think about fear and what it is that you're afraid of at that moment, you can have a word with yourself and then try and. Have a have a try to better understand what it is that you might be afraid of, and work out ways to deal with that. So I wanted to completely change this way that we looked at stress. Um, for me, that was really life changing. That really helped me with my recovery, and I've managed to rewire my brains. Um, probably habit of a lifetime of de- how I deal with stressful situations, and I deal with them very differently now.
1: Well one of my common faults i'm just gonna admit it right there um out on social media um i'll get attacked a lot and most of the time it's mm, delete 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 block delete 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 block from those you know people idiots or morons as i call them they're just you know they don't understand what's actually happening in the vaccine injured world. Um, but every once in a while, something will get to me, and I've got to get better at this. Is that it makes my blood boil, it's just mm. and the way I do it, starting to figure out how to do it is just walk away, don't spend so much time responding to some of these inquiries or messages, and just um you know, just kind of just ignore everything. Don't even go there. You know, if I'll make, if I'll make a, a post, an interview of a podcast out there on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, Instagram or what, uh, things like this, then I'll get somebody that comes in there and, you know, and just think that they're, they're so smart, they're geniuses and just really break down and, Call everybody idiots and all this stuff. And I go, nah, and instead of defending that or going after that, I'll just nah, ignore it because everybody else is going to ignore that person too. But I nah, get caught up from time to time and I need to get better at that.
0: Well, you need a motivating factor, I suppose. So if you're motive for me, the motivation was my health. I want to protect my health. I want to protect my heart. I want to protect my blood. I want to protect my energy. And so I've learned and I used to be the same. I would get involved in in conversations Mm -hmm. um, online or in person that where I would get wound up and you can feel your body, can't you, doing that? And you said, you know, you made your blood boil and that feeling. Once you recognize what that feeling is and you can change that into a little bit of a warning to, oh, OK, I'm, I'm actually damaging my body. If I go with that feeling right now, if I allow myself to continue being wound up by that person, I'm going to be damaging my body. So you have a motivation to teach yourself to not respond to it or respond but in a way where you're not emotionally invested in it. Um, I tend, it's difficult. I I have learned over the last year, because at the beginning, when I first started speaking out about being vaccine injured, I had a lot of people say some horrible things about me online. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of people say, accuse me of being a murderer because I'd be stopping other people. Being vaccinated by speaking out. And, you know, people, it was very, very upsetting at the beginning. And likewise, I had other people who um, said that I was an idiot and laughed at me for being vaccine injured because I was so stupid that I got vaccinated. And that really hurt me as well. So I had to find ways of dealing with this that wasn't going to interfere with my recovery. And one thing I've reminded myself throughout the whole last year is most people genuinely think that they are making the world a better place and they genuinely whether they are pro-anti whether they want to be angry with me or angry with you most people generally want to make the world a better place and they think by speaking out in the way that they are that's what they're doing they're passionate about what they believe in and it's hurtful and they're not thinking about how sensitively they might be able to express their opinion but That helps me try not to be so upset or angry myself. I don't know if that will help you.
1: Well, what I find out, what I find doing is just getting up, going out. If I'm at home, um, I go out to the backyard and walk around in the backyard. And um, I love working out in the yard. Um, I've always have done that, but um, I have to and. uh, you know, and it's got to be really difficult for people who are recently injured and they're having difficulty, maybe neurological issues or whatever, to start figuring out what is going on in this world. One of the things I really like about your book is this diary. You know what? What are you doing this month? And you know, you make records. You write. You you're asking people to start recording their life, daily life. And seeing how they progress, you know, from month to month, week to week, day to day, and uh, that's probably going to help so many people understand what's happening with them, but then also figure out how to heal themselves. And here in the states, we most of the doctors. uh, I guess the question I'm going to ask you first here was it difficult to get a proper diagnosis from a medical doctor in Um, the UK?
0: For me personally, my diagnosis was on day one adverse reaction to AstraZeneca. So um, that has always been on my records. Um, I've never had that. On on the whole, I haven't had that question. So, So that's, for me, that's been quite straightforward. However, explaining exactly what has happened to my body, um, that, what that what that adverse reaction means, what it has done, that I don't have a diagnosis. I'm still in the process of um, looking at things there. There's a clotting disorder I've just recently tested positive for, but I need a bit more investigation for that. So I haven't got to that stage. But in terms of any medical professionals saying yes this is this is because of the vaccine that i've had that from day one but i think i'm in the minority to be honest most people in the uk have not even had that uh recognized on on their medical records
1: well one of the projects that i'm working on and it's and it's dealing with a couple um u.s senators have asked me their staff has asked me um, I've written a couple books on vaccine injury compensation programs in the United States, very critical of the programs here. and But they've asked me to interview people who have been injured from the COVID vaccine here in the States and trying to find out if they filed petitions for compensation or um, have they had trouble with their doctors um, getting a proper diagnosis and getting their medical records. And I'm finding a lot of people here are just having extreme difficulty getting a proper diagnosis and many doctors are dismissing those patients and saying it's just all in your head. It's hyster- you know, you're hysterical. It's 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 this and and we're talking pristine um, medical institutions, the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic. To the supposed to be gold standards for medical facilities. And they're excusing patients. They just say, no, it's all in your head. And it's just kind of like, you know, um, it's very difficult for people to actually talk to a doctor and say, tell me what has actually happened? What did what, what's causing all this? I think the doctors are in fear of um, very uh, sensitive um, medical boards reaching up and putting them under investigation if they dare mention um, this is vaccine-related. And it's scary over here. And, uh, yes, you're probably in the minority over in U.K., but one of the biggest deal uh, issues – that I'm running into with people is they're having difficulty getting a proper diagnosis and figuring out what's happened to them.
0: Yeah. It's the same here, here as a rule, exactly the same thing is happening here. So I haven't, while I've had that diagnosis, I haven't had any explanation as to why, and there hasn't been, there hasn't been a huge amount of support into getting that. My GP is very supportive, but most of her referrals, we have a different system here. So we, in, in America, you can just go, you know, your insurance will cover it. You can mm-hmm. get tests done. You can go in and see a, a private consultant. We can't do that. We have to, Everything has, pretty much everything has to go through the NHS, the National Health Service here. So you have to have a GP on board in order to provide referrals so that you can get to see a consultant. So if your GP is not on board, you're not even going to get those referrals. You're not going to get in front of anybody. My GP has been on board and she's provided lots of referrals for me. Most of them were turned down. Mm.
1: Well. Uh, This is kind of the reason why I think your book is very important. Um, I've yet to read any book published here in the United States similar to this. And I might might have 40 or 50 books on COVID reactions. And I've yet to see anything comparable to this book. Um, That's why it's important. And people are starting to, I think, People are starting to track what's happened to them, and go from there. There's a couple large groups here in the states, React Nineteen and, and Real Not Rare, and those um, people in the in leadership, all they did is they started with notebook paper and started writing down how do I feel today, what's going on, what's good, you know, and then they're just doing it bit by bit. But you put this all together in one concise area, so. This is quite interesting. I encourage people to get this book. Um, Have you seen other types? Well, I should say there's a lot of doctors out here now in the States that are starting to, okay, we're going to help you, the naturopaths. Is that what's over there in the UK? uh, People who are not really part of the established health service, but some people that are outside of it. Do you have naturopaths yeah. and opiopaths and all that?
0: Yeah, I taught I t- the chapter on um, consultants actually explains that there, mm-hmm. are, there are kind of two different sections. And one is I call them state affiliated health system practitioners and then the ones who are outside of the state affiliated system. So those would be your naturopaths and acupuncturists and um, other anybody that, that is doing something a little bit different from pharmaceutical focus um health i suppose and um and yeah we have that here and i i i would i've i've used them a lot i've seen um a few different oh, i've been so open i think to try anything trying anything and i think that's how a lot of people are finding themselves now there are other Even if those people don't have the answers, the benefit to going to somebody like a naturopath or an acupuncturist or whoever, homeopath, or whoever else you might be going to see is that they spend time with you. And they talk about not just that one symptom that you might have, but they talk about everything. They talk about everything that's going on in your body, in your mind, in your life. And that in itself is healing. And I think we underestimate The healing impact that spending an hour with somebody who is actually listening to you and actively committed to helping you heal, which might not, that's not quite the same as fixing you up and giving you some pills to make the symptoms go away. Healing is a very different kind of Mm -hmm. process. So, spending that time with somebody who will commit to helping you heal, that is incredibly beneficial, particularly in this situation for people, not just with vaccine injuries, but perhaps with other health conditions that are systemic, that are complicated, that come and go, um, and that can't really be easily explained.
1: Well, I I think you're touching on something um, uh, something else that's concerning, and that is a lot of people who have, are COVID vaccine injured also isolate themselves. Um, and then with isolation comes depression, and you're fighting all that. And you're right. When you connect with other people who just want to listen for an hour, talk to you a little bit about what's going on, um, might not know all the answers, but they might be able to you know, at least listen to you so you feel like, you know, someone is out there that might help me uh, is, is so important. Um, I'm concerned about the mental health of a lot of, of the injured people. I really am because where are we going to go in, in a few years if their mental health is just degrading? It's going to lead to some other serious issues, you know. Um, well, you I think it point.
0: already is. And mm-hmm. um, and now you've got people who've been, I mean, I'm on months past six, month 16 now. And so there are people who've been quite seriously ill for well over a year. They have, some of them can't work. Um, and we get our sense of, um, of identity often through our work, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people aren't being supported by their families. Their relationships are breaking up. Um, They haven't been able to take care of their children. Uh, They haven't been able to do any of the things you would ordinarily do to keep your spirits high. So you might be a runner. I was a runner before this. Um, You might be you might like to socialize. You might like to have an odd drink. You might you know, there might be a whole load of things that you do that keep your you happy and just enjoy enjoying life. Um, And all of those things have been taken away. Uh, So you've got people who've been living like that for over a year now, and that that takes a huge toll. And if you look at the culture that we're living in, where if you're vaccine-injured, somebody once described the vaccine-injured community as the most hated people in the world right now because we do feel quite hated by both groups of the argument, on both sides of the argument, and we feel very, very isolated. We don't see our stories represented in mainstream media. Um, we often when we first start talking to people about what's happened to us, we're met with hostility. I know I was when I first ventured outside of the house and actually bumped into people and they said, Oh, I haven't seen you for a long time. And and I said, Oh, I've been really ill. And I remember the first responses I had were quite unkind and they shocked me and they made me just want to retreat back into the house again. So it, we, we have become very isolated. There are a lot of people who don't go out, not just because they're physically unwell, but because they just can't face the, the unkindness that people, some people have towards vaccine-injured people. And you're right to be concerned about mental health. It's, a big, it's going to be. It already is a big problem.
1: Well, you know, with mental health, I and mean, if you get isolated, it's going to lead to depression. It's going to lead to addiction of other things for people to escape from instead of enjoying life, they're going to start uh, being addicted to whether it's alcohol, whether it's uh, drugs or whatever. And I'll, and then unfortunately, it's going to lead to suicides too. And we're seeing that. I, I think we're seeing an increase in suicides, especially for those who uh, have been injured from this vaccine. So we have to connect You have to be with other people. We're we're social animals. That's what we are, right? Well, um, where do people get this book again?
0: So if they want to get it directly from me, I know some people like to buy books directly from an author. I I always prefer to. Um, Mm -hmm. They can go to my website, which is carolinepover.com. Um, if you're in the UK, uh, that would be probably the best way for you to order it. If you're outside of the UK, which I think a lot of your listeners are, then, um, you, if you're willing to wait, cause it will take a while and it will be a bit more expensive and postage, then you can still order it from there and I can get it to you, but, um, but it will cost a little bit more, uh, you can mm-hmm. order from ukcvfamily.org. Uh, If you're in the UK as well, and that would generate money for the UK based support group, or you can order from Amazon and you can, that would be the quickest and probably the cheapest way to get hold of the book.
1: Well, I think uh, I've got listeners um, in Australia, uh, United Kingdom, I've got people who uh, follow along that are in the European Union, um, Japan. Um, South America and Central America along with North America so there's a lot of different ways Um, Canada um,
0: and if if people are buying, you mentioned um, before we were talking that people that you knew were buying like 20 copies at a time if people are doing that they can um, they can order them directly through me and you can you can I can organize it so that you get more for your money actually. so then there's more copies that you can give out to people and you can support more people that way so people can just email me if they want to buy if they want to bulk buy.
1: I think yeah, and that's probably the best way to do it because I think what you're starting to see is these little support groups popping up everywhere and i've been I've been to one of them where uh, just and one person, well, i was very generous and bought a whole bunch of books and handed it out to everyone and um, i've had my copy here and i've got it tabbed and highlighted so i'm not going to give it to anyone unless they want to see where i've underlined and yellow lined and highlighted and wrote notes in the margin and stuff like this because that's how and the other interesting thing here is i can never read a book from front to back never have i read the first chapter, read maybe the second chapter. Then I go to the table of contents and look, oh, okay, I'm going to go here. And I'll end up reading the book, but I'll read it going. even the Bible. I've never been able to read it front to back. And uh, that's just me. But this is good because then it, you can just hop along. And But I really like this diary where you start asking people, start recording what you're doing for the day what you're eating, how you're feeling, you know, what's happening. So people can then use it as a measuring to see how you're progressing.
0: Because the progress is. is so tiny. We don't get well quickly at all. And right. then when you can look back on how far you have come, then that it's really encouraging because it's so tiny. And When you're in the moment day to day, you don't feel like you're getting better at all. So having that record is really helpful.
1: That's wonderful. So, okay. We'll call it a day. I appreciate you being here with us. Um, I appreciate I'd,
0: you I'd, asking me. Thank you.
1: Oh, I've been looking forward to it. So, okay, listeners, you've been watching and listening to the Right on Point podcast. It's a candid discussion of your civil liberties, issues, and legal rights with your government. We also discuss what no one else will by digging deep into the vaccine injury Compensation programs, the PrEP Act here in the United States, legalities of, um, of the COVID pandemic and what's happening in our global community, whether it's in the United Kingdom, European Union, South America, or North America, and even into Africa. We talk about those topics here on the program. I want to thank my guest today. It's been a it's been a wonderful discussion with you, Caroline Pover, and thank the many listeners and and uh, viewers of this program each week is i'll leave you with the following that is keep learning keep challenging yourself and always always question authority have a good day everyone
0: you have been listening to the right on point podcast with your host wayne Roddy.